Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 280 of On the Corner, the official Pitcherless podcast. I'm your host, not Alex Fast, Miles Nelson, live from First Pitch, Arizona. My first time here, by the way. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. With, of course, as always, Nick Pollock. You seem upset that it's me. What is happening? I mean, I, you know, it, it could be Alex Fast here, I know. and then it would be me and him. That'd be pretty cool. That actually would be really great. Yeah, but I it's wish you. I could go back and it's just him instead of no me. but it's all good i mean look first pitch there's so many fantastic people here so many amazing people and uh it's been a really great i mean we're 24 hours in and and i feel like you know i feel right at home as yeah. if i've been here so many times absolutely i, I mean it, it's a wonderful event hosted every year by baseball hq it's, shout out uh, shout out brent hershey and all yes, the hard work they put absolutely. in absolutely and they'll let us do this live so we actually we have um everybody listening at home we have people here inside this room you guys can cheer now if you want they're they're wonderful. They're great. And you know what they do? They subscribe on iTunes and leave a review and rating. They also follow me on Twitter, at PitcherList. This wonderful man, Miles Nelson, at? At Miles Nelson PL. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. It's a wonderful handle. Yeah, okay? I mean, you know, I, I, had to, I had to remind people <laughs> that I'm not Miles Nelson, the country singer. I'm not Miles Nelson, the high school football wait, there, player. Wait, I'm sorry. There is a country singer? Yeah, yeah. If you search my name on YouTube, it's a country singer. If you search my name on Google, it's a high school football player. I am not convinced this isn't actually you as an author ego. Definitely. I cannot sing. It's definitely not me. But if you go to at Miles Nelson PL on mm. Twitter, you will find a fantasy baseball um, pretender, and that's, that's me. Well, what are we doing today, Miles? Um, we're going to be talking about the 2021 fan, well, baseball season. Yes. Obviously with a fantasy angle. Right. And a little bit about what we might have learned moving into next year. And specifically pitching, thankfully. I mean, we might talk about hitting. No. No? No. We're going to be hitting, defense? we're going to be hitting our targets, maybe hitting the right guys in drafts. Base running? Actually, no. Oh, okay. Surprising. Just pitching then. Yeah. Ju- I mean, just, this, just is the, this is the pitcherless podcast. Yes, there we go. So so what is the first thing that we're going to review? I mean, honestly, so I, here's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say. The first thing that I always remember is 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 the advice that you give, right? You mm-hmm. give a lot of advice before the season. One of the biggest pieces of advice is we're not drafting for a best ball team. No, we are not. We're drafting biggest for- Biggest myth in fantasy baseball that you're drafting for a best ball team. No. Ignore the projections you get that says, oh, I have the best hitting and the best pitching of, of anyone in the league. That's suggesting that you're holding on to that team for the entire year. You're in a 12-teamer. You are going to be getting rid of most of those guys by June 1st. By May 1st. Really. Maybe, I mean, right? if, you, if you draft like me, by May 1st, for sure. <laughs> well, you don't listen and read my articles, Miles, of it, course, because you should be drafting with the intent to pick up all those guys in April. That's true. Now, I will say, if you are drafting a best ball team, then you should probably draft like you're drafting a best ball team. But, you know, our <laughs> advice is usually for Shocking, more style. at 11. Also, you're you're probably in the wrong room. There is a best ball panel happening there is. right now. There is. Anyway, so, but the point being, though, is that 
you draft for season long, you draft and and you're gonna make moves during the season. Right. You're gonna have players that you pick them in the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. So who who were those players this year that oh, when you picked them up in the waiver wire? They they saved your season. I, who who could have saved my season uh, from the draft? Well, no that one, I did? honestly. Okay, thank uh, you. but I uh, no. This is uh, this is something I posted, of course, in the top 150 starters. If you haven't read that yet, you'll realize it's actually top 175, and I was too late to tell the graphic people that was 175. So it ended up as 150. But uh, more is more always, always better. better, exactly. And uh, drafted past 260 ADP. I mean, he was using this with uh, Fancy Pros. And if you understand 12 teamers, it's about 276 picked yeah. or so. I mean, this is <laughs> this is such a long list of guys. Freddie Peralta, Chris Sale, Taiwan Walker, Adam Wainwright, Robbie Ray, Tarek Skubal, Alex Wood, James Caprillion, Luis Garcia, Chris Flexen, Ranger Suarez, Carlos Rodon, Alec Manoa, Shane McClanahan. I'm still going. Patrick Sandoval, Waskari Noah, Kyle Gibson, Dylan Cease, Logan Webb, Cal Quantrill, Anthony Descafani, Logan Gilbert, Casey Mize, and Trevor Rogers all drafted past that. That's so, that's 24 pitchers. So theoretically, you could have had any of those in your drafts last year in April. Yeah. Right. And that that's that's crazy. You could have had like four stabs with just those guys alone. Well, and even if you're sitting there going, okay, well, Carlos Rodon was picked by someone in the tw- 18th round in my Great. league. There's 24 <laughs> names on this list. Exactly. Like, there's so many. There's so many guys. Now, obviously, hindsight's always 2020. Right. We don't always know, but the point being is that there's always value on the waiver wire. Absolutely. You should absolutely wait on pitching. Oh, my Lord. And and here's the thing. You don't have to get all 23 or so. You can just get three of these, mm-hmm. and they completely shape your season. So I would say, in review, the best waiver wire pickup was probably, I, I want to say, Robbie Ray. Well, I mean, I don't think that's I don't think that's uh, controversial. Right. Well, I mean, you could say maybe if you got, like, Carlos Radon in there and then mixed it with Ranger Suarez once he got hurt. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's probably going to win the Cy Young Award. Right, I feel like he, he probably is the winner for. I mean, best that's another that's then. another discussion about I think ERA and innings pitch the only two stats that matter for a Cy Young candidate. But that's another story for another time. And then I would also say that all those guys are aces, right? Uh, n- uh no, they're not all. Well, aces. okay, fine. They're both <laughs> really good. <laughs> but, uh, but there are also all these other waiver wire pickups you could have made, and there's another massive table that you can understand through the season. All of these players helped you at some point. Yeah, maybe maybe don't name the entire list. This Doing time. it, Ty- oh, Tanner Houck, Danny Duffy, Joe Ryan, Josiah Gray, Shane Boz, Cole Irvin, Bailey Ober, Jay-Z Brubaker. I'm so sorry. Nick Pavetta, Joe Ross, Eric Lauer, Dr- Drew Rasmussen. Rasmussen, I actually think. Brady Singer, Austin Gomber, Jago DeRizzi, Yusei Kikuchi, Spencer Turnbull. Albert Alzale, Luis Patino, Steven Matz, and Carlos Hernandez. You know, the last time I heard you read a list like that was when uh, you used to read out all the, the PL uh, the yeah. subscribers and you get all their names wrong. And you I got, got one. I got one wrong. I have yeah. to always do that. Yeah, I, that, that's a very you thing. But again, <laughs> the point being is, with at least in regards to pitching, because we're not talking about hitting or defense no, or never. base running. Apparently. What are they? I mean, those are very important things. Are they? Relief pitching? Can we talk about that? No. Okay. Well, the point being is that even if you don't draft great with starting pitchers, there's so much uh, available on the way as long as you're not playing in a league with this guy because uh, the staff league when I, I mean it's just it's 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 very difficult to find pitching in the pitcher list staff league so I'll, oh, just, yeah. I'll it, say that it is really fun to try though no it's not <laughs> i'm gonna drop pitching early next year at least in the staff <laughs> league but are you still in it <sighs> okay i'm sorry that was i didn't actually remember i feel very bad now i'm so bad you actually probably will be though we we, we, this, we do these things <laughs> i agree with eno that is very rude um but yeah, so I swear, I actually thought you—I thought you got ninth. No, 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 no. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, you're uh, off the staff now. No, okay. But, so. 
Yeah, it's so how we remove staff. That's why we hire so many. I was about to say, I, year. I, I believe I believe you all just uh, heard me get fired live on air. <laughs> I will say, actually, on that note though, real quick, I do want to point out, um, we are hiring right now. Yes, we are of course. hiring. This is a fantastic time. Pitchless, great place to work. Um, even if you're writing somewhere else, if you're not writing anywhere, we are fully accepting of all baseball <laughs> enthusiasts. Well said. We also have a lot of positions that aren't just writing. That's you know, true. Graphic designer behind the, behind the curtain, actually. I mean, you, you, you're you director of staff now. Yeah, I don't do any writing. You don't do any writing? No, whatsoever. I just and tell you're about incredibly other people what helpful. to do. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. So uh, all I'm going to say is go to uh, uh, Nick's Twitter, go to uh, pitcherlist.com slash hiring, and uh, submit an application yeah. because we'd love to have you here. Look forward to that. So let's let's, let's talk about some awards. Yes. Some like completely, entirely made up awards. Yep. Because you have, over the course of the last six years, come up with the most ridiculous phrases yeah, and this. nicknames. No, I, I will say this. Yeah, They're okay. very ridiculous. <laughs> um, we're going to start with probably the most famous one that you have, which is the Toby. Mm. Everyone talks about Toby. I'm so uh, sorry, Toby. I see you in the back. Baffled crazy. Shout out. This is not a Toby. <laughs> he, is, he is a glorified Toby, you know. No, you be quiet. Gl- glorified. <laughs> he could not do it. He tried so hard to have an ERA under 3.5, and he was so close, and then the last three weeks, he decided, you know what? I'm going to have a 3.52. In, in case most of the people who are listening to this uh, can't hear the crowd, Eno, Eno Saris is, uh, is uh, uh, very much vehemently arguing with Nick right now over whether Jose Barrios is a Toby. I agree. He's not a Toby. Um, he's but, just, but, okay, but, okay, we don't Toby need to talk aces. about Jose. We'll talk about, we'll talk about actual Tobys. Toby, obviously named after... Uh, named after Toby Flenderson from The yes. Office, the person that um, everyone loves to hate. And this is, I, I believe, for you, the Mo, it's more about being boring. It's just a boring pitcher. It's someone that uh, in your 12-teamers, you look at him and then you look at the wire, and every single week you say, I think this is the week. I think this is the week I dropped this guy. And then you just don't. He's just, he's just he's the, the boring. Yeah, I mean, he gets the work done in the office, but you don't like that he's there. So who so who, who are some Tobys? Who, who are some Tobys that you have out there? Oh, Wow. I, I think uh, this season there was a time Alec Mills was on your team and you just felt this is a weird experience. I think Alec Mills defines Toby. Yeah, he is he is right up there. But right now I do want to give the award for the Flenderson. Mm-hmm. This is the most Toby of Tobys. Not the best Toby, but the one that I felt through the year. Most uh, most epitomized. The right. Way, the and, and that would be Steven Matz. Yeah. Steven Matz, through the year, he did have a 22% strikeout rate, which I think surprised a lot of people. He did have about a 3.7 ERA or so 3.8, but 133 whip. And it was something that you debated heavily through the entire season. Is this worth it? Now, those in volume leagues, like 15 teamers or so, there is a much more, it's helpful for you. But in a 12 teamer, you could probably you can, you can find something, but you don't know. Yeah. And that made him the Flenderson. Yeah. Congratulations, Stephen Matz. Stephen Matz. The most mediocre. I will say, does that make Stephen Matz? <laughs> Does that make Steven Matz like a is this a, does it qualify for like comeback player of the year that he's climbed right? all the way to the the Flenderson? Oh no. <laughs> like that is that is such an impressive so so great for him, honestly. Good for you, Steven Matz. Really, well, really I mean, proud. There was a time that I really loved Steven Matz. I remember when he had a yeah, over nine like three K years nine, ago. When he would throw a slider, then he realized, oh, it hurts when I throw my slider. And then now he just has a fastball that is okay sometimes, and then a curveball that maybe earns a whiff, maybe once a month, and then a change that is also there. Yeah, so good, good for you, Stephen. Stephen Mass. Mass. Very, very happy for you. We will send you your Flenderson <laughs> in the mail. Yeah, it's a red tie and a brown suit. <laughs> All right. So, so sticking with the Toby theme, but we're going to slightly change it up. 
this I'm I'm not entirely even positive. I, it took me a minute to understand what in the on earth you were putting in the notes here. But we've got the best former Toby. He well, used to be a Toby. No, no this is the, I'm sorry. No, I, that's wrong. Well, okay, this is the this is this is the best Toby. It was normally known as formerly Spider-Man, as everyone had been calling through the year. I'm changing the name to now being Holly. Because if anyone's watched The Office, Holly is the best form of Toby. Oh my god. I, I thought you were talking about Holland. I thought this was like a <laughs> formerly Toby Maguire, yes, now a now Tom it's Greg Holland. Holland. Yeah. No, Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. Oh, I, I get that. Do you understand why this is confusing? Yeah, I do. I really do. But it's Holly now. And all right, I want so to embrace Can you explain Holly. to everyone what this award is then? This is the best Toby. This is the Toby of all of them that we can acknowledge is, yes, this man is pretty mediocre. But he's one that you felt really good about by the end. You looked back and you thought, why did I ever not? Love you. I should have given you more love, and, and you really and helped much more than Stephen Matz. And who is that picture? That is you? Chris Flexen. You know, it's funny because Chris Flexen is a dude that I, I gave so much disrespect to. I, I did all the time before the season you know, started. But three six one ERA, and he had yeah about a sixteen seventeen percent strikeout rate. But that the is as Toby as it gets. And he, he was there, just you couldn't let go of him. So you love Chris Flexen more than you love Stephen Matz. Love is a strong word. You like Chris Flexen more than you like Stephen Matz? He helped more teams this year. All right, well, there you go. There you go. Chris yeah. Flexen, we're going to send you a Spider-Man doll because <laughs> uh, you were formerly Toby. With, I think, uh, the picture of Holly. I don't know. We're, we're changing it Chris to Chris Flexen, Holly. send us your address. We'll send yeah, you Yeah, we'll figure right. it out. We'll so then, out then we got to talk about, here's the thing, right? Yes. These are boring pictures. We don't want to talk about boring pictures anymore. Let's no, no, talk about exciting pictures. Yes. Let's talk ones. about guys who broke out this right. year. Who, of all the pictures who broke out this year, who has the most sustainable break who yeah. is going to be another another season of breaking out next year who, who is that guy yeah that's kind of crazy so you have a lot of guys from that past 260 ADP table we talked about before right because I feel like that's like the true breakout guys are ones that we never really considered being really that great and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they became that so I could give this a say Carlos Rodon who all of a sudden was averaging maybe 93 miles per hour or so then decided you know what I'm gonna sit 97 for some starts and really be 95, 96 for most of the season. That seems somewhat sustainable if you can do that. But then there's the fatigue issue. There's the injuries he's had. Um, you can say breakouts of like McClanahan and Manoa, but that to me isn't much of a breakout and more of just, hey, I'm here. Welcome to the big leagues. Yeah, uh, I kind of want to give something to maybe Dylan Cease coming back. Mm -hmm. But is that that sustainable? Is that slider going to be that good again? I mean, again? that's the question, right? Is which one's sustainable? Right. And it's got to be devil magic Adam Wainwright, right? Absolutely not. No. No, Adam Wainwright's story was a fastball that somehow got a ton of called strikes this year and did not get, get yeah. destroyed. Curveball, that was amazing. Cutter, that sometimes was really good and sometimes wasn't. And I don't think that's going to stick around. But the man that I think broke out and is actually legit now is Robbie Ray. Okay. That's the most sustainable breakout. Most sustainable breakout is yes. Robbie Ray. Is it the pants? What is it? You know it's not. Okay, well then what is it? <laughs> It's the pants. No, uh, it's uh, it's his fastball essentially going in the middle of the zone, which I know sounds crazy. That does sound crazy. But I mean, Eno said this morning really well about like, hey, I was nibbling around the corners and decided, you know what, maybe I should just throw strikes. And he did that. I absolutely can do it again. Why not? That's like the easiest thing in baseball. I mean, like instead of trying to do like the very particular thing. But he was always he was never trying to do this. This was a moment of like. Robbie Ray is sitting there going, man, I'm trying to be this best pitcher all the time, and I know this is the way I have to do it. And they said, well, your stuff is just so good. Just throw it in the middle of the plate. And he goes, what? Like, yeah, just try that for like a start. And it really worked, and that was the third start of the year. And then he said, oh, this is kind of good. I'll try it again. And then it worked again. And then it never stopped working. What actually was really cool was the first start 
Yeah, that's the third star of the year is the fastball was killing in the middle of the plate, but the slider wasn't. Mm-hmm. The slider wasn't really there, and he just kind of added more things, and it was still there. I mean, I have him as the tenth starter, but I'm not going to draft him. You know, if you're asking what round he's going to, I'm going to take him. Yeah, he's because I don't draft top fifteen starters normally. Yeah, no, the ten yeah. is because Robbie. it's all relative. It's so, all relative. Second tier. If you if you want to know more about my ranks, you can go to pitchless.com. <laughs> the top 150 starters on the list. Well, <laughs> so hold on. Let me let me ask the room. Then let me ask the room. Just raise your hand if you think Robbie Ray's breakout is sustainable. Do you expect Robbie Ray? Well, maybe top 10. A little crazy. Yeah, would Do you, you ex- consider Robbie Ray around number 10 or maybe in the top 15 starters for next year? Yeah. Show of hands right now. That's we are like seeing about, I would say, yeah, about top fifteen next year. Forty percent of the room raising their hands. Right uh, that's now. a very generous forty percent. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. that. That was not thirty percent. Yeah. So, so a lot of people don't necessarily believe in Robbie Ray being the most sustainable breakout. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking forty percent was not good. I don't uh, know. I didn't feel like. <laughs> I did. I my eyes are very. Good at judging a scene. You didn't see behind you, Eno. So I don't so, know what you're talking about. <laughs> They're coming out of the vents. You didn't see it. It was it was wonderful to see. I, but, I I will say though, of all the of all the breakouts though, Robbie Ray is probably the one who's reached the highest heights. And 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 he did it for and, so long too. It was it was not just like two months. This was essentially five and a half months of the year. Right. And even if Ray doesn't sustain being a top ten starting pitcher like you think he'll be a top fifteen. The, the fact of the matter is a lot of the other guys who broke out didn't reach that height anyway. So even if Robbie Ray drops a little bit lower, like let's say, let's say, I mean, I personally for me, I think Logan Webb uh, would be one of the most <laughs> sustainable breakouts. That's, that's kind of oh, how I feel. I, but I have Logan, to talk about Logan Webb tomorrow at one of the panels here. All right, perfect. And well, let me I give you. I have no idea what I'm going to say. Well, I'll tell you, Logan Webb's going to be a top 25 starter next year, and mm. Robbie Ray could fall to that same level. It's, so even it's if very Ray, possible. What do I know? The worry I have about Logan Webb is. <laughs> Eno, Eno loves what Miles is saying. I I, I am I available that, for rates and barrels. <laughs> Logan Webb is a slinger to me. That is a low arm angle guy. And generally what we've seen over, yeah, uh, over Luis time, Castillo. Luis Castillo, yeah. you see, I mean, even Aaron Nola, you know, a guy I've been a huge fan of for a long time, goes through these moments. I mean, we saw this past year where he didn't have amazing command across the board. And I do worry about Logan Webb to see, yes, he does have – one a sinker with the most vertical drop pretty much of any starter, mm-hmm. which is incredibly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to command that and get as many strikes as yeah. he did this year without getting punished while his changeup was in and out and the slider was an elite pitch. But it, it's all it's fewer starts than Robbie Ray did, and I think mm-hmm. just the pure stuff of what Robbie Ray provided way better th- overall than what we saw from Logan Webb. I, I, I Like I said, I agree with that. I think Robbie Ray reached higher heights than any of these guys. So even if it's not fully sustainable, him falling from that still puts him above right. most of the other guys who broke out. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely agree with that. I, I wanna, You mentioned Aaron Nola. Yeah. So this isn't in the notes. I'm going to put you on the spot. Much like you, Much like you put the, the fine folks at the NFBC panel on the spot. <laughs> uh, we have a shirt called Live Every Day Like It's Nola yes. Day. Aaron Nola is one of the people that I think we, we just generally love the most. And, and not this year, though. Just, no. So who's, who are we living every day like? It? Who, who's that new pitcher? It doesn't, you don't have to replace. No. <laughs> who are you? Who, I mean, for me, for me, I mean, I'm, right now I'm wearing a 32 Whiff shirt. Uh, it's about Patrick Sandoval. I get very amped watching all of his starts. Uh, otherwise known as the Irish Panda or the, the Irish, Irish Panda. Panda because I made that typo in the SB Roundup once and I will never stop saying that. There's also Alec Manoa I enjoy watching. Shane McClanahan is just so unbelievably fun to watch. 
those guys are now coming up, and it's exciting for me to see what they can do. I mean, there's also Shane Boz, there's Michael okay, Kobach, okay, right, there's right. Josiah I, I Gray. I regret asking this question. Uh, but Pat, <laughs> Patrick Sandoval, Alec Manoa, Shane McClanahan were the first three names out of your mouth. Yes. Of who could replace that level of excitement to watch them pitch, much like the way Aaron Nola did? I mean, they're all, they're all so fun. I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah, I mean, Corbin Burns is doing that right now. Let's go with that. It's so it's so great what Corbin Burns does with that cutter. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you are. I love pitching, Miles. Yeah, you are the okay. pitching guy. All right, pitching, it's, it's pitching just super list. fun. If you're not getting excited, then what are you doing? Pitch list. You just, you just something like that. Uh, all right, so uh, another uh, keeping in the line of the breakouts. Yes, there are a lot of pitches that broke out this year. Correct. Uh, who is the least sustainable breakout? Who you? By the way, you've dubbed this award the Derek Rodriguez because I believe Correct. based on. <laughs> Eno, Eno has weighed in with Robbie Ray's least sustainable uh, we breakout. We should just give you a mic. You want it, Mike? Eno, you should. Uh, oh, I, I, this is wonderful. I wanted this. This is, this is, this is exactly what I wanted. This is absolutely beautiful. This is a dream come true. But but I think I think uh, Derek Rodriguez, in light of, was it the 2018 breakout where he struck out like six batters per nine? Essentially, like Derek that? Rodriguez had a season of a wonderful ERA and whip, and we all just collectively ignored him for good reason. Yeah. So who, I, who has the least sustainable breakout so of all these pitches? I, I want to focus on that first table. Less of like the easy waiver wire pickups one uh and there's a similar mold i could say flexen i could say steven mass which would make sense considering i'm saying that they're tobies and, and so mm-hmm. on i get a sense that uh there's three guys who have the same have a similar mold to me mm-hmm. um there's anthony descafine there's james capillion and there's cal quantrill and to me i i can't i just can't wrap my head around cal quantrill doing the same thing in the second half next year you know agrees uh, with that Eno, Eno is heckling positively. This is you. a positive heckle from Eno, and so so. Cal- and can you pinch me right now? No, definitely not. So Cal Cal Quantrill not being a sustainable breakout. Right, essentially it's um it's a it's a fastball and a slider really, and that's why I'm grouping those three guys together. When they've had success, it's when they throw these sliders that have a lot of called strikes on them. Same thing with a fastball, but nothing is showcasing an elite talent to me. Um, Descalfani is actually, I think, the most sustainable of it because we've seen him have seasons like this somewhat before. In the past, 2020 was a weird injured season. But uh, with he's Quantrill, Tony Disco. It's just, he is Tony. I mean, yeah. Yes. How can you not root for a guy <laughs> named Tony Disco? I mean, I agree. Exactly. There sure. we go. So I will say, just from a, from like the casual perspective, the two names that pop out to me on this list of like guys that I would I would assume have the least sustainable breakout. Obviously, Adam Wainwright. Yeah, that means uh, I, I believe in devil magic, but I think most people don't. Why? Because uh, it's the Cardinals. Have you is not it seen the Pentagon? No, it, what? It's no. a wonderful here's, geometric shape. Here's the other one: is I think Kyle Gibson kind of stands out as like someone well, I don't think is going to do that again. So I was trying to choose someone. I mean, Wayne Wright's a really great one. Uh, I was trying to choose someone that was more of the length of the season, or at least at the end of the year, had a positive mm-hmm. value. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Gibson. I mean, that was that's what we call a Vargas rule, of course. The first two months, because that was a true Vargas rule. Mm-hmm. Because you remember, of course, Jason Vargas did that for about two months and was one of the better pitchers out there. And we all just scratched their heads saying, what is what is this? But you can't stop starting him. And that's what Kyle Gibson did for the first two months. Really, even almost three. And then it just came crashing down quickly. Yeah. So, I I mean, I felt that that's not really the guy. Because we all know this. Respect respect to not going with the easy answers. Yeah, of course. So, wait. So, why is Adam Wainwright not sustainable? Well, I mean, as I mentioned, I don't think that his uh, his curveball is enough to carry him. And it was was one of the more elite curveballs out there this year. I I don't really think that's enough for for Wainwright to do that. It, It all went his way this year. 
I'm a little surprised that actually he's coming back for another year. What a wonderful ride off into the sunset. But some people don't like sunsets and they're weird. So maybe, uh, maybe that's Wayne, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, the the devil magic is still working strong. I think <laughs> is what he knows for at least another year. You really do I, like devil magic. It's it, it explains everything for the Cardinals <laughs> for the last 20 years. Um, I will say this. I was playing around with the uh, pitcherless leaderboard, oh, and you. I noticed uh, Adam Wainwright led the league in called strike percentage mm. and also is the uh, uh, only pitcher. Him and Kyle Hendricks are the only pitchers that also had a sub-10% swinging strike. Yeah, that rate. isn't something I like. Exactly. That's what I mean. It's, like, it's just a bunch of dudes looking at the curveball and going, nah, right. I just don't want to you know, in some ways, you can even argue because of that, uh, Adam Wainwright was the best Toby. But he was he was in disguise. You know, he 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 like woke up a day and said, "I can pull off a Dwight with the suit." You know, yeah, that's what he did. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, so then the next one, I and I, you know, you were the one who made these notes, so I have to. I, I know it's I, all I my know. fault. I have to give you. So you wrote this one in. Who is this year's Nick Pavetta? Nick, right. I, if you don't know the backstory of of <laughs> Nick Pavetta and Pitcher List, oh no. Um, I'll just say this. Nick has always, Nick Pollock, has always had a soft spot for Nick Pavetta. Um, and I think just kind of held on to that one a little bit too long. Um, it's very short. It's very quick. I essentially had him ranked to like 37 one year. And it was right after he had all the signs of like, this is going to be good. And it absolutely was not. And it's kind of like, okay, who was the guy this year that we got really hyped on early on? That yeah, see, was, I think that's the Zach Godley person. Well, Zach Godley was... A little different, but that's fine. It's oh, the Nick yeah. Pavetta. Who is the Nick? Who did you rank he, too high? Which yeah. is astonishing because I wanted to do this. And I wanted to surprise you with this, and then you beat me to it in your own notes. I wrote so there. There were three guys I could consider as I, I ranked them too highly, and they're they really need to have that emphasis of they are on the younger side mm-hmm. and they're not as much experience, and we think like they can take that full next step. So the first thought I had was Dylan Bundy. But I kind of felt Dylan Bundy, you know, he's a little bit older. He had already a successful season, if you can call 2020 that. And, then, like, you know, it was, it was like eight starts or so of him being excellent, two bad ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was like, I don't know. Everyone was kind of on the same page with that one. Then there's also Zach Plesak. But he isn't the same, like, excitement of, like, oh, man, Zach Plesak's going to be, like, a 25 to 30% strikeout rate guy. Yeah. And it I, wasn't the same mold. So. I also think. Plesak was one of the one I feel like it wasn't just you that was in on sure. Plesak. It was a lot. I, I, in fact, actually, I think you were one of the more hesitant people. On I, Zach I don't know. Maybe it was. Uh, it was a weird year for it, Zach Plesak. He existed. It was cool. I I don't even want to say that I was super in on Tristan McKenzie, but I felt like he had the persona of it. You know, he was someone that had some hype from last year. We thought that maybe his fastball command was good enough, and then the breaking balls would take that next step. And we did see that in the second half of it. He actually added a tick of velocity in that second half. His Slider and curveball were a lot better at the bottom of the zone. It had some instances of it, and then it kind of fell apart a little at the end. But, yeah, I mean, anyone that drafted Tristan McKenzie thought, oh, this could be it. This could be the next great Cleveland starter. And, my Lord, that those first two, three months were terrifying. They yeah, were just pretty they were horrific for anyone dealing with that, not knowing, should I drop him? Should I not? It was it was exactly have. Nick Pavetta. So, so, I mean, that was kind of – you didn't really – I mean, Tristan McKenzie kind of seemed to be the final answer, but it seemed kind of split. Yeah. So I want to, I want to, I want to ask who who disappointed you all the most this year? We got Dylan Bundy, Tristan McKenzie, and Zach Plesac. Raise your hand if Dylan Bundy was the one that just absolutely wrecked you this year. Oh. Well, Kenta Maeda, true. There were there was some. Uh, we're you know, we're gonna get to Kenta Maeda. That. I mean, <laughs> keep in mind too, there were some guys in the beginning of the year like Charlie Morton even and Luis Castillo. Who in the first month were I, I feel so many questions like do I drop them yeah or let them go and by the end of it Luis Castillo yes was effective for mm-hmm. you but 
I mean, you had to endure two months of that one. Yep. While Morton did turn around and had a phenomenal season. All right, so we had about five people for Bundy. What about Zach Plesak? Who who got ruined by Zach Plesak? Yeah. So, right, oh, I'm got, so sorry. There's Steven out there in the crowd, and yeah, I just. I, I, <laughs> right, it was it, it was rough with Zach Plesac this year. All right, and then finally Tristan McKenzie. Anyone? No one got right. No one Tristan? took Tristan McKenzie here. All right, well then Look Dylan. You guys. I think Dylan Bundy's the answer. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with Dylan Bundy as the most Nick Pavetta. You were you were disappointed <laughs> you didn't get them. That's great. And you know what? I think that works too because uh, I, because he's not here. I feel safe saying this. You know, Alex wrote a really great piece about Dylan, about Bundy, Dylan Bundy last year, but he was that, last year. It wasn't this year. Sure, but that, I think that drove a lot of Dylan Bundy hype. And so sure. I'm going to blame him for that. I'm going to blame <laughs> it's all Alex Fastfall absolutely for writing a really good piece about right. Dylan Bundy. So next year's though, I think that's a fun conversation to have right yeah, now. Yeah, because that same mold of a younger pitcher that I think will get some hype around, say like. Round 14, 15, younger, maybe showed some, you know, and and, the, and that year. all of the pitcherless fans will draft because you're in on him, and sure. so they're gonna target him in their drafts. Who, so who are you going to personally disappoint next year by ranking so too high? This is, I mean, Robbie all of them. Robbie Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Ray is the answer to every question, both good and bad. He is Schrodinger's Robbie Ray. Oh, there it is. Um, so okay, so tier eight in my ranks is about ten guys or so, eleven that. Honestly, any of them could do it. Denilson Lamette, Michael Kopech, Shane Boz, Logan Gilbert, Sixto Sanchez, Patrick Sandoval, Luis Garcia, John Means, Josiah Gray, Tarek Skubal, and Sonny Gray. All of those could, but there was one that I didn't group here that I can imagine could be the collective uh, Nick Pavetta, and that's Ranger Suarez. Because I just saw him go 11th round in the pitchless staff mock, uh, which I think is a little high. Well, we're going to talk about, of course, on uh, a future OTC podcast. Because mm-hmm. we but, will talk about every every team that did, I mean, that mock drafted. Sub-150 ERA is not something you can do despite, you know, even if you have... Really? That's not sustainable? Yeah, there you go. But uh, even even though you're facing really weak opponents, which Suarez did, right? It, you still have to get it done. And he did that. The, the hesitations I have about him is that it's a changeup that does get some whiffs and a fastball that's all right. And there's nothing else. I mean, the slider, curveball, whatever else you want to say he has, not good. So I, I don't really believe enough that the changeup, and by the way, not a 30% CSW on that changeup, did not get called strikes with it. Mm-hmm. So the, there just isn't enough there for me to see a true step forward that you want. Right. And at this point in the draft, for me, you have your four guys that you roster, that you, you feel strongly in, right, the whole strategy. You have four rocks that you're not going to drop. And then you have about four more. I mean, if you're me, it's six because I'm crazy um, that you just get because you want to get your hands on all these different pots. And right. for me, Ranger Suarez doesn't have the excitement of Michael Kopech right. or Shane Boz, et cetera. So I'm probably not going to be leaning towards it, but I can see that being the guy for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I get that, especially if he's being dropped in the 11th round. Like, I mean, 11th round is almost you might be getting your fourth rock in, in that yeah. round. Then. Yeah, like that's, that, that, that feel, yeah, exactly right, especially with me who goes heavy with hitting. Like you know, well, you, you do things differently than all of us do because we we all. Are you talking to, about baseball? Or are you? I'm talking about pitching. Okay. Um, but I will say this: I I, I don't. I mean, Ranger Suarez is a good good option. But one of the one of the intangible parts of the of the Nick Pavetta is that you have to be excited about. That. Sure. And that's what that's what infects everyone. You you have this infectious. Oh, man, these guys are so good. Excitement. And so here's. <laughs> I'm 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 going to I'm going to I'm going to so make good. you I'm going to make you face a hard truth. Oh no. It might be Patrick Sandoval. I know this. And you're wearing his shirt. I know this. And so why just tell me right now why it won't be Patrick because Sandoval. Because his changeup and slider are amazing. There you go. 
There you go. I gave him a really nice smile. Yeah, no, it was a really great smile. And this is this is uh, just uh, for everyone to know. Next year, if, if Patrick Sandoval is is the Nick Pavetta, it's it's on record. Okay, now. so hold on, hold on. Nick Pavetta was 37 at that time, and I think I was treating him in some way as if that borderline four to five, mm-hmm. right? Like that was going to be a rock. Right. You have Patrick I am, Sandoval. I'm 57. treating Patrick Sandoval in a situation like, hey, there's a chance this might not work out. Make right. sure you understand that. And you are putting yourself in a position where he, you are not depending on that in a 12-teamer. Right. Yeah, I'm just making sure you learn, you, you learn your lessons. Here Always, here. every Perfect. time, of course. Um, so then, then I mean, that's pretty much, I think, most of our major awards. Um, we've got some, I don't know, we've got some. We've got some others. We've got some mini awards yeah. here. So, so, so there's something on the site I do, which is the most fancy relevant starting pitcher of a team every year. So we've had <laughs> previous ones, and this year we have three different teams that it's really hard. I don't know why you're laughing so this much. This list! Well, look at this. Okay, so the Rangers, Royals, and Pirates, I think, entering this year, we are like, who is actually you know, going to be fantasy before relevant? Before you tell everyone yes. who were the most relevant starting pitchers from the Rangers, Royals, and Pirates, I would love to know I, what I, the people think. Who who are the relevant <laughs> starting pitchers uh, from funny. Rangers, Royals, or Pirates? Right, I'll it's take, hard. I'll take any team. Uh, Kevin, what you got? Ah, Carlos Hernandez. Carlos Hernandez okay, so that, that was even like a short stint of the season, though. I mean, there's six months we've seen. I would argue that Danny Duffy did more for your teams if he had him in April than Carlos Hernandez, who you didn't even know necessarily. Like, should I? The, the start fact this? the fact should that I we're not? saying Danny Duffy or Carlos Hernandez I just goes. to The Royals are a tough one. There's maybe even some Mike Miner in there, some Chris Bubich. We did we did have the Royals fan here. Yeah, so that is that is a little. There bit we go. Up. So, but for the Rangers, I mean, there's an obvious answer, but it was only for half the season. Any anyone any guesses who the Rangers' most fantasy relevant starting pitcher was this year? Yeah, Kyle we did Gibson. talk about him already. Now, Taylor Hearn was actually a pretty decent Toby in the second half. There was also one or two starts of Glenado that was that was kind of cool. That's not a real name. I, I, I know it sounds like Glen Nato, but <laughs> That's also not a real name. Okay, well, one of them is, and it's Glen Otto. Uh, wonderful slider. Yeah, there it is. Uh, you ought to know that. Um, Glen Otto has a wonderful horizontal slider. That can get whiffs at times. I actually am excited to see him next year. And Miles, you can stay with me. We can do this. We're gonna get through I a podcast. Start an, I want to start an on a new <laughs> team now, just to draft. Glenn oh my Otto, god! Just for that team name. It has to be the first one though, because then it's only new. Okay. Uh, then the other team is the Pirates. Uh, yeah, which, uh, if you remember, there's a guy at the beginning of the season. Yeah, Garrett Cole. Oh, sorry, I was thinking a few wow. years ago. Who else? Wow, Coffee Cakes. Mitch Keller. Coffee Cakes. JT Brubaker. Oh yeah, that's right. Right, and there was actually a good period where he was. People were wondering, "Hey, man, who was in on JT Brubaker?" And then he, then you know, things yeah. happened. April was fun, overcooked. But then Tyler Anderson actually was it. But then I kind of want to say that he had his most value as a Mariner, so that's not fair. And then everyone else, I kind of just want to say Ronci Contreras is the coolest one. He had one start at the end, and it was like, "Oh, you're actually not that bad." I think it's safe to say that we're not drafting any Pirates pitchers next year. Maybe Contreras. I don't know. Okay. Steven. Oh, Steve no. Brawl. No, you got to stand up and put your hands up and say, Steve Brawl. Steve Brawl. That's the only way you can say his name in this room. Thank you very much. I think that's <laughs> the only way you can draft him, too. Oh, absolutely. You got to announce it like that. Oh, that's great. All right. But, yeah, so so I would say, yeah, Kyle Gibson, let's go Danny Duffy, and then let's go JT Brubaker. Congratulations, guys. You've won the distinct honor of being the most fantasy-relevant starting pitcher for the Rangers, Royals, and Pirates. I mean, look, that 
they'll take the wins that they can get because they didn't get many of those. <laughs> they did not. This year. They they absolutely did not. All right, so let's let's we've got a few more individual yes. like pitcher awards. Yeah, because obviously we're going to talk about pitches because yes. this is a pitching podcast. Absolutely, we're going to talk about like every crazy. Version. I know. I mean, do we talk about pickoffs? Can we get into that? No. Oh come on, man. All right. Uh, who was the biggest bust of the 2021? So mentioned who before, to me, it's most? it's Kenta Maeda. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I could also say else. Zach Gallen to a degree. Shane Bieber? Uh, Shane Bieber, but that's, well, not not to the extent, I think, of Maeda, where that yeah, was really, really, you know, really it was more cut and dry, teams. I think. Someone already Shane mentioned Bieber. Maeda earlier. Exactly, too. yep. We, we weren't even talking about Maeda, and he was like, I'm just going to bring and, him up anyway. And even Bieber, despite, yes, he had a, a, a whip close to 130, still was productive for you. Yeah. While Maeda was just, I mean... A lot of aspirin was needed this right. year. Pitcherless staff for Asher is here. Uh, Asher, what's your Shane Bieber experience? Uh, um, Who'd you draft? All right. In my money league, <laughs> my round one pick was Shane Bieber, and my round two pick was Cody Bellinger. Yeah, Bieber and Bellinger. Yeah. It's not a great it, way not, to Not a great year going uh, Bieber, then a Bellinger. I... Bieber got injured, so he didn't hurt you. He just wasn't there. Right. Well, I mean, we'll say... Right. Absolutely. And that is why... That's the distinction between the two there. I will say that Shane Bieber, even when he was starting... Not at the level that you drafted him at, and I will say I'm but actually kind of scared of the last two starts of the year a little bit. I don't know how much I should be. Fastball velocity was down. Fastball command wasn't there. If you know anything about Bieber, fastball mm-hmm. command is like the foundation yep. that sets up the two breaking balls. So a little bit worried there. But let's move on from bust. Let's go to the positivity. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like surpri- I'm surprised you put biggest bust in the notes because you usually shy away from. I, from doing negative I uh, this is the review of 2021. That's true. We got to do it all. So let's let's positivity. Who are the best mid round picks? Specifically, guys drafted in the middle of the draft. So I was someone who was you know very excited about him, but I I tried to be as conservative as, as I could because we only really saw eight starts of dominance in 2020 from him. But it was Corbin Burns. I think everyone can acknowledge that is was the best kind of mid round ish starter. But if you want to go a little bit deeper, there was a little farther was Zach Wheeler, and then after that, I think it's Sandy Alcantara. And now we're not talking about like the real waiver guys at the end. Right, we're talking about mid-round. people mid round exactly. Yeah. Um, so, Alcantara, I think, was you know it, it, at first. I remember the first couple uh, you know months or so, we were wondering how far he'd uh, escalate. But then you know, of course, by the end, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember in the in our staff draft when we somehow managed to let you. Yeah, that was great. Alcantara. I took I took Degrom in the first round, which I never do. But I thought, you know what, it's a staff league. Let's do something fun that they don't expect. And then I didn't take another pitcher until the tenth round. Of and you got Alcantara. Alcantara. I don't know why we all let you do that. Because you're awesome. Thank uh, you. I was in Cabo. I had nothing to do with it. I I did not start my draft until like the fourteenth round. But Corbin Burns. So you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned that that you were trying to be uh, a little bit more conservative on on ranking. Exactly. You, you only had him at twenty three heading into the season. Yeah, and uh, I, that actually was even increased from where it was. I think. Yeah. Plus, initially, my first take was around thirty, and yeah, it's I've something that I I've learned. We'll talk more about kind of like the overall takes later on, but it, it's a hint of stuff like that. I think I'm going to I don't know go more fun than usual. Yeah. Burn the twenty twenty two. So Burns is at twenty three. Wheeler was at eighteen, which I remember was a point of contention for a lot of people. Yeah. The there was a question about the strikeout rate yeah, being for twenty twenty or not. Wheeler at eighteen was that, that was that was, but him and Alcantara were about the volume. Right. I, I trusted both of those guys to push above 180. They both did, mm-hmm. and they did so obviously with fantastic ratios across the board. All right, so though, I mean, I don't really think there's any arguing. Those are those are three yeah, of the best mid round pitcher picks. One there. Great breakouts. How uh, all three sustainable? What, what are you what are you thinking? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, 
There no, you go. No question marks? No. Why would I? Okay, well, there you go. They're in uh, my top 10. Who were the best late round draft picks that weren't guys generally picked up on waivers that were that were right. drafted so in a lot of leagues? Should be pretty quick here. There's Freddie Peralta, Trevor Rogers, Adam Wainwright. He was at 289. Uh, but there's also Nathan Yavaldi, and I got to give him credit. I did not expect that Nathan Yavaldi's curveball from 2020 would have the same 40 plus CSW that it had. He did increase its usage a little bit this year. We definitely saw it more in the second half, but. That combination I've not seen from Eovaldi before. And there there was some like volatility in the first two months uh, with Eovaldi fastball and curveball not really clicking. Mm-hmm. But then it just kept going. It was it was incredible for the like last four months. He always had his curveball and it was incredibly impressive. Yeah, I've seen that combination from Eovaldi. It was uh, the two thousand eighteen World Series and extra innings and he did that for like six <laughs> Yeah, Miles is a Dodgers us. fan, guys. Massive, massive Dodgers fans. Congratulations yesterday. I will note about Evaldi. I think a major point of contention entering this year was health. Yep. Really nice to see him do that again. I don't think we can make the assumption that he's going to now all of a sudden avoid injury. Kind of the same thing with Charlie Morton as well. Yeah. But I am more inclined to believe that a healthy Evaldi can be productive. So you just named Freddie Peralta, Trevor Rogers, Nathan Evaldi, and Adam Wainwright. Rank yes. those four for me heading into next season. Where, uh, where right now I have it at Peralta, Rogers, Evaldi, Wainwright. So literally in the order that you yeah. listen to the notes. Okay. So I only Peralta. I only talk about pitchers in the order that I have them ranked. Got Always. It. Perfect. Uh, where how high are these like where how high are these guys ranked for you? Uh, I think Peralta around 17 18 rogers is closer in the 20s evaldi i currently have in the 40s i'm debating maybe pushing him closer to 40 and then wainwright is in that tier with descafani and caprillion and cal quantrill around the 60s it's so like 66 maybe for Something the devil like magic that. love it all right all for um, you so uh obviously you watch a lot of pitching you watch a lot a of pitching bit. throughout the year. Yes. Um, what was the coolest start of the season? I'm not wa- wearing this shirt just for the heck of it today. What shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing the 32 whiffs of Patrick Sandoval, and that is the coolest start of the year against the Seattle Mariners. I mean, it was amazing. Like 32 whiffs is a is a lot. It's like to do that, you have to constantly through the game continue to get whiffs. And normally, you have like an inning where you sit back and go, "Man, that was pre- that was pretty good." But with 32 whiffs, you realize that if you got half the amount. That's still a 16-whiff game, and that is a gallows pole on some nights. Yeah, so I was actually going to say, putting in, in perspective, so a gallows pole is a thing, again, as with all of the other fever The most dream, whiffs earned on a single say, yeah. night. They well, earn the gallows yeah. pole. That is, like, Joey Gallo whiffs a lot. Gallows pole. Ta-da. Yeah. Uh, but point being is it's most whiffs earned in a single night, and I feel like most of the time when you check in on on who won a gallows pole on any given night, it's about twenty. Yeah, 20, 20 if you get like if you get twenty, you should feel like I've got this. Sometimes yeah. we have a fourteen, it's a small short night or something like that. Yeah, but if you get twenty, you should feel pretty good. You could have had twenty five this night and still lost by yeah. seven to Patrick Sandoval. Unreal. That's how dominant it, it was. So good. Now I kind of hate Garrett Cole for doing it in September. He had a thirty two whiff night. Ugh. He took it away from the Irish Panda. Patrick Sandoval's not even special then. He's not even the only one. Don't you <laughs> Miles? He's in he is in the same conversation as Garrett Cole. Much like I was in the same conversation as Alex Bass. This keep going, really cool. just keep going on, please. Uh well, I mean this one's sad. <laughs> I've been trying to avoid it. Oh, I and well I need to do this. I, I, who, was, I who was the most disappointing? It was against the Dodgers. Yeah, we, we did. And do it that. was Sandy Alcatara. It was it was uh, just uh, it was a terrible night. And it was a night that I had given him the ace is gonna ace label to start before. Oof. Because I was so confident, this was it. I didn't. I didn't need to wait. 
I knew he was going to do it against the Dodgers. I knew it. Oh, man. And he didn't. No, I mean, no. why would you do that right before a Dodgers? I don't know. That's like okay. going into chorus and being like, yeah. It's, it's, like, I, it's like I'm passionate about pitchers or something. Yeah, it's true. All right. That's well, anyway, that was the most disappointing one. It might have actually, yeah, it might have been also the one in cores that he had too. Yeah. But uh, but he came back in the end and it was wonderful. Yeah, Sandy Alcantara had a great season. I mean, as we mentioned, best one of the best mid round picks. So even though he didn't have those disappointing starts, it didn't didn't hold him back all the way through. Right. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. But, but it's time for us to shift gears a little. A little bit from, from the pitchers as a whole. Yeah, I mean, obviously Something you want to talk about pitches. Well, yes. I know you've been dying to talk about this. I'm this is to, really cool. I'm trying to hold this back and, as much as possible. And this, this is actually, uh, this is one of the wacky leagues oh, yeah. that, that Miles Nelson uh, puts together. If you don't know Miles, he, he, he makes these, he's squirming in his seat right now, and it's wonderful to see. Uh, he puts together all these fantasy leagues that are abnormal from the from the typical leagues, such as the Guillotine League, and he does deserve a round of applause for this. Absolutely, for everyone a part of PL Plus, you can join these uh, in in February and March as well. He does the Blind Draft that was incredible with uh, oh, weird, some of the speakers here as well. One hundred percent. I mean, it's so much uh, fun. First pitch uh, uh, presenters: Eric Cross, Brent Hershey. Um, I am drawing a blank on some of the other people that did it. Chris Towers, who's not here, but I know he was a part Chris of it. Chris Welsh was. Chris uh, Welsh. Ray Murphy. Ray Murphy. Uh, yeah, we Frank. You. Kay Purser. Yeah, we've had an amazing, amazing group Mel of people. Gore. Yep. Who we then paired up with completely normal people from the Pitcherless <laughs> Discord and told them, you're drafting half of this team and you have no idea what's happening with the it, other it's half. It's the best experience. Yeah, I recommend anybody who can get a part of it next year. But one of the w- wacky leagues that we do yep. is the PVAL draft. Yeah, because you you love pitching so much, you want to draft individual pitchers. Yes. So what we do is we draft, uh, I believe, two fastballs individually, any type of fastball, any type of secondary pitch, any slider, a curveball, a change, change up. up. You have two reser- two uh, utility spots. It's like best. You ball have kind to. Of. Yeah, you have exactly. It's best ball for pitches. Uh, you have to do a regression pitch, so you get uh, positive points for how negative it is. So if it's a positive pitch in the end, you get negative points, and then you have to take a pitch that was a negative p val next year, and you get the positive points of it this year. Negative. You follow all that, I'm sure. Ne- negative p val last year. Right. So it had to have an. A, it had to be bad last year, and you have to take it for this year as a one that you think is going to do much better this year. And and don't worry. Much like playing a board game for the first time, we'll we'll make sure as we go through <laughs> these things that we can explain the rules as absolutely. It goes <laughs> it's incredibly fun. Uh, I barely lost this year to Alex Drennan. He did, had a Have you ever team. won this draft? I uh, know. We've <clears> done <throat> it for three years. And then this was, I thought I had, I drafted Corbin Burns' cutter sleeper pick. Somehow. Well, that's a great segue because yeah. 
we have the best fastball to start with, and that includes cutters. So the obvious one, hey, it's Corbin Burns. Look at that. That's amazing. Yeah, so Corbin Burns with the best fastball in the year. Yeah, he. I mean, it was, I think anyone that, you know, followed Corbin Burns at all knows that that was the most dominant fastball. But I like to have a surprise one with this. I'm not just going to talk about all the best of every individual pitch here. The surprise ones coming into this that we didn't expect was, hey, Carl Sverdon's fastball was just absurdly good. And we shouldn't forget that this was so abnormal. Going mm-hmm. into drafts, uh, yes, we did have some sign of it in spring training that he was hinting maybe 94, 95, as opposed to the 93 and change right. from before. But we did not expect 96 and uh, 97 at times and him hitting 100 in a start, which is just, it's just so absurd. It's a guy going from 89 to 93. That's the same jump you're making, 93 to 97. Uh, sitting that is what Carlos Rodon did. So that was a huge surprise. And the other one, hey, it's Adam Wainwright's sinker. What do you know? Yeah, well, I mean, when you have that high of a called strike rate and they're just not swinging at it. It's like, crazy. So, again, all of this is measured by uh, PVAL. Yes. Which is a results-based metric. Right. It's, it's not about the individual metrics or what it should have done. It's about how well did this pitch perform. Did right. it earn outs? Did it earn strikes? Et cetera. And and what what goes into uh, a pitch doing well is it would you would you say devil magic helps? We are talking about Adam Wainwright again. This no, is like the ninth what? time no, we've talked about him not, on the podcast. I would not say right. devil magic. So Adam Wainwright had the number one sinker again, just a twenty five percent called strike rate. Just the people just weren't swinging at it, um, and 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 that gave him the ability. It, 61% zone rate with a 192 batting average allowed on a sinker is incredibly good. Yeah. And yeah, that allowed him to dominate with his curveball. And that curveball was a 35% CSW. He had a 69% strike rate. I actually wrote, it's funny enough, I actually wrote 68.8% just so I wouldn't have to say that and have someone in the crowd shout nice. nice. And then I forgot because I always round numbers. So whatever that happened, 207 batting average allowed, 51% zone rate, which is crazy good. Imagine this. If you if you have a high zone rate on a pitch, generally it's a give and take. Uh, right. If you're going to increase the zone rate, that means you're going to allow more hits, essentially, mm-hmm. have a higher batting average. And the fact that Wainwright on a sinker had that 61% zone rate and a 192 batting average allowed is crazy. Same thing, of course, with that curveball. 51% zone rate is really high. 207 batting average allowed is is phenomenal. We cannot actually condone people trying to do devil magic at home, but this is the result. So just 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 think about that. I next really time. hope that's the last time I mentioned Wayne Wright. That I do too. Uh, who do you think is going to have one of the best fastballs next year? So we're I mean you're putting people on the spot and making them uh, do draft picks now, right? We're doing our mock drafts. I just now. wanted a good discussion. We, we, I mean, but we're also doing our <laughs> mock drafts now. Um, yes. There's there's a lot of drafting going on this weekend. So if we were to start this PVL draft for next year. Who's a surprise pick or, or maybe a, a sleeper fastball pick? Well, for you? yeah, it's it's. I feel like I'm cheating because it's already really good, but I feel like or we may, need to uh, under the radar. Maybe other people aren't aren't right. aware. Right, uh, Logan Gilbert's. Uh, that I mean that defines his entire approach, and that pitch had a double digit PVL already this year. Um, I don't really think that's going to go away. He throws mid 90s with it, sometimes even you know upper 90s, and as the slider and curveball will get better and more consistent. He's gonna, yeah, he's gonna excel. That heater's still going to be that wonderful foundation for him. Think of it kind of like Brandon Woodruff, mm-hmm. and if he can get two secondary pitches, he can comfortably throw for strikes as well. He can do incredible things. Yep. 
with that. So Logan Gilbert's fastball, look out for it next year. Well, and the cool thing, again, this is an individual pitch thing. So yeah. even if those other pitches don't get good, his fastball is still really good. This podcast is for, like, the 10 other people that play the Pete. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is specifically for next next look March. Out. Next March when we're doing the P-Val draft, this is for you to come back and listen to. All Justin right. Paradis, shout out. Yeah, d- uh, best graphic designer in, in, uh, in the baseball. business. Absolutely. Right. So then let's talk about, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, I the, when I learned about pitches, this was like the fourth pitch to me, but this is like the second most exciting pitch in baseball, and that's the it's, slider. It's crazy, yeah. It's I mean, sli- slider's the big deal now. Yeah, it is. Use it, for me, it was change up curveball, then slider. Now, yeah. it's, now slider's the big deal. Yeah, my strategy, essentially, in the PFL draft was to get as many sliders and four seamers as I could. And now you know how to beat Nick Pollock in his there own game. Is. So who, okay, I think we all know who has the best slider in baseball, but but what starting pitcher at the best slider in baseball? Uh, who are you thinking of? Joe Musgrove. Oh, okay, good, because that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. You were that's like, like the only thing he you, does. You suggested it as if there's someone else. Okay, no. fine. Uh, yeah, Joe Musgrove, 43% O swing, 44% zone rate, 20% swing strike rate. If I had the thing, I'd press it. Cha-ching. That's a money pitch. 159 batting average Cha-ching. allowed, 80, 68% strike rate, and a, only 28% usage, yet it still blew out everyone else when it came to B-Val. And it's it's interesting to see it because Musgrove at times really, really leaned on that slider in season. Mm-hmm. Well, I was about to say, I didn't know he threw anything else. Right. But I, I actually personally believe... 30% is about right, despite how good it is. Because mm-hmm. he has a really good curveball as well. Mm-hmm. And there are times that he pulls back on his fastball, throws about 20% or so. I think Musgrove does need to showcase and be, you know, keep hitters more honest with mm-hmm. fastballs. So it's weird that I see such great secondary stuff from Musgrove and think I need to see more fastballs. But I think it's a case where it's still a decent pitch. Mm-hmm. He throws it 30% of the time, mixes in 30% sliders, 30% curveballs, some cutters. Ta-da! You got I mean, elite Joe Musgrove. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that the pitch is better if the hitters don't know that it's coming. Yeah, and that's so a, that's that's a good thing. Yeah. The more you mix it up, the harder it is to figure out what's happening. Uh, I think he maybe we'll see. I don't know. I feel like one, that's a stretch. Maybe one day Joe Musgrove can throw a no hitter. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but okay, so again, Joe Musgrove, everyone knows one of the best sliders in the game. Um, who surprised you this yeah, year? Yeah, I mean, it, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, but I think after seeing the well underneath 20% strikeout rates last year right. from Dylan Cease, his slider took another level this year 39% CSW, 175 batting average allowed. I uh, him throwing I mean, it 31% of the time, and that was actually foundation for him through the year. Right. Right, it was uh, four seamers and curveballs and changeups. He was just trying to find something, something to get strikes with without getting pummeled right. through the season, while that slider was being buried down and into lefties mm-hmm. or down away to righties consistently. I mean, really look at those strikes on plots. He did such a good job of commanding that slider, and that right. really gave him opportunities to be great. So I really wanted to give a huge shout out to Dylan C's slider. I know you're listening, Dylan. Yep. Shout out Slider. Well, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the command part of it because I, I don't think anyone's surprised that Dylan sees the slider. I mean, he's always had amazing stuff. Right. The slider's always looked incredible. It's just, is it anywhere close to the plate? Yep. Is it bouncing <laughs> so inconsistent. Is it, I, you was, know? I was actually here two years ago doing a presentation about CSW and talking about what to look for in starters, and I used Dylan sees as an example of someone that maybe this was a good result, but how he got there was terrible, and you should not trust him. Mm-hmm. And look where we are now. Right, and and that command has allowed him to take a slider, which was uh, um, you know, maybe more uh, Rick Vaughn Wild thing mm. a few years ago, and now he's put on the glasses. You know what's really funny about Rick Vaughn Wild thing? What? How hard do you think he was throwing on that gun <laughs> when they were like, oh, he throws so hard? In the movie or yeah, like in, in real the movie. life? In the, no, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. 95. Different times, different times. 
It's it's unbelievable. Oh yeah, he's got some gas. I mean, it was ninety five. I don't know, dude. Uh, well, how fast do we think Charlie Sheen was actually throwing that though? Can we say sixty five? That's how hard I throw it, so I believe it. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, there we go. You are Charlie Sheen, actually. You got a good resemblance. I see mm, it. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't even know how to take that. So who, who's going to have the slider next year or that we maybe already have, but we don't know about who, yeah. who, who are some sleeper picks? Right. You? So, so, I mean, there's one that's really obvious. I think Alec Manoa, if you guys watched him this year, his slider was just absurd. We saw him this morning in the, the prospect thing when it wasn't even about Alec Manoa cause he was just that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that pitch really became his thing. Surprisingly, the changeup didn't really take the next form that I saw in his MLB debut, mm-hmm. but the slider was just that good and that actually opened the door for his fastball to really dominate as well on top of the zone. But I think someone that uh, it, it drove me crazy because in the second half of this guy went away from the slider all of a sudden. And it was such a good pitch paired with this cutter. And that's Luis Garcia. And his fastball is not nearly as good as his cutter or his slider. But by the end, maybe it was fatigue. Maybe it was just he lost something. Uh, but he was throwing over 40% fastballs all of a sudden. And then it was some cutters. And the slider was thrown a handful of times, four times, five times in starts, and that's just not the good Luis Garcia. I do think that that skill is still there, though, Mm -hmm. and I would definitely be looking out for that. If Luis Garcia can be more cutter slider in 2022, that can be absolutely filthy. All right, yeah, and Alec Manoa, definitely a great pick there as well. Um, All right, let's move on to curveball. Who's got the the best uh, Uncle Charlie? Adam Wainwright, no. Okay, uh, it's <laughs> it is Adam Wainwright. You do have Wainwright I on the notes. I put Waino slash there, but right. no. We it, can, t- we can Charlie, talk about someone else for a while. Charlie once. Morton uh, is the guy that I think really just you know he didn't do enough with the cutter that I thought he was going to do, but he came out with a thirty eight percent CSW, one twenty seven batting average allowed across thirty seven percent usage. That's crazy. For your cutter. I'm sorry for your curveball. Unbelievable. He that would just, also be crazy. It for would your be good. I wish he had that, but he doesn't. But Charlie Morton, I mean, you, you saw what he did. He had a struggle in the first month of the season. Mm-hmm. And then five straight months after that, I think that next year, that that curveball should still be around. It's been around for a long time. He upped that usage a couple of years ago and really had that breakout. And it's just been that good of a pitch. So for me, that's the obvious pick here. So between the, the these two old men throwing curveballs, <laughs> you believe in Morton more so than Wainwright? Yeah, they really are Uncle Charlie's, I guess. Right? Yeah. So who are the yeah who are the who are the young guys that are throwing curveballs these days? That, that yeah, might you might know you. this guy. It's Julio Urias. Oh, what a beautiful curveball! What a, what a thing. We we talked earlier about this year about how he had a slider and a curveball and turned it into one pitch. That curveball, thirty four percent usage, fifty seven percent zone rate. Uh, 151 batting average. I mean, I just give like the dirtiest stare to Miles for saying a slurve. Um, and that's uh, that's pretty much it, right? You throw the pitch in the zone that often and you have that good of results. I mean, it was also a 68.5% strike rate. You don't want to round that one up? No, I do not. Um, near 35% uh, CSW. Uh, this is what happened. Urias has a fastball he elevated effectively. Mm-hmm. Paired that well with the tunneling of the curveball. Mm-hmm. Changeup isn't that good yet. I mean, it's it's serviceable. We saw that in the in the game against the, the Giants in Game Five, but it's not this elite pitch that we've seen from years ago. Right. And because his curveball was this good, he was able to have the kind of season he just had without it. So it was elevated fastballs. It was elevated fastballs was, for Urias, and then curveballs yeah. down in the zone. Yeah, it's Blake Snell blueprint. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, there it is. Uh, and then who uh, who might have that curveball next year? Who has it that we don't know about? Who who's who's your pick for twenty twenty? Josiah Gray. It's so good. I mean, he also has a slider, too, that he can have double-digit whiffs up with on a given night. But this year, 38% CSW, 21% swing strike rate for Gray's curveball, uh, 164 batting average allowed, 34% O-swing. 
uh, 37% zone rate. It, it's it's something that danced in and out through the year. There was those four starts where even against Miami and Pittsburgh, you did not want to start Josiah Gray, and it was painful. Mm-hmm. But I think something that I look for in, in younger starters is they come up, they feel like they're the best, they have an amazing starter too, and then they struggle, they go through that adversity. Mm-hmm. If they're able to come out of it and have success again, I feel a lot stronger about about their future, knowing that they have the confidence that okay, I went through this tough time, but I can, you know, I know how to get through it. Josiah Gray had that at the end of the season, and you know what? I'm happy Josiah Gray is living his best life in Washington. I wish it was with LA. I do, I do love me some Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, though. So sure, I, nothing but but the best for Gray. Of course, you got to mention that. You you certainly do. I I will say I wish Josiah Gray didn't go against the Coors and the Red Sox and the year because I think. I mean, maybe I don't because I, maybe his draft yeah, value is going to be lower. Yeah. But he really should have excelled more so if he was against any decent opponent as opposed to the elite uh, opportunities for hitters. So yeah. I'm excited for Josiah Gray next year. Well, plus also the NL East is not the easiest place to pitch. It's no um, longer NL East. It was like the best. Uh, yeah. It was the best typo I ever made. No, nope, now it's the central. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, that's the curveball. Who's got the best changeup in baseball? This was actually kind of harder than I thought. Uh, as far as Pival says, I mean, it's still Lucas Giolito, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't the overwhelming, consistent pitch that we've seen in the past. Right. I mean, it was downright dominant in years past, and this right. year was a little less than that. Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of treat Lucas Giolito like um, his strikes and plots are like the Nile or like a double helix of four seamers and changeups going from north south. You can, if you see, it's just like a river of pitches going from the top to the bottom. It's it's a it's Just look to, look I write I, these at like one a.m. Okay. and my mind goes places. Look, I, I may not be the best. Fortunately, at geogra- it's to a river. I may not be the best at geography, but I'm trying to picture how the Nile looks like a double helix. Well, because you have like the the deltas and everything. Well, you have it kind of intertwined. Someone a, a Google map the Nile. You will just, understand. Please Just tweet, look up his strike so Please plots. tweet at one of us. And you let get me know it. Lucas Giolito's changeup. Look, right, Lucas Giolito's changeup. He throws is the it best. oddly. It's you know typically what you expect with a really successful changeup is you just expect it down all the time right underneath bats right. and Lucas Giolito gets away with the high changeup and look if you've played MLB the show you know how annoying it is seeing secondary pitches that start high and end at the top of the zone Giolito is making that work and there is some discussion about maybe high changeups being something of the future uh, Giolito is the best case that I've seen and yeah 34% CSW on this 71% strike rate on yeah. that pitch this year is crazy crazy good yeah I mean I think that's that's pretty intense. the 55% zone rate stands out to me as well because I feel like changeups a pitch that you do see dive right below the zone a lot more than, than sit in the zone or, right. or when it sits in the zone it's usually not a good sign for the pitcher absolutely um, so who who surprised you this year with, with how good their changeup there was? were two guys uh, I think they're kind of been on the radar for a lot of us um, there's the bear that is Jordan Montgomery had a 23% swing strike rate, 174 batting average allowed. But the thing is, it was an 8% called strike rate. And right. I do want to note that with, with Jordan Montgomery, he has a a, a changeup and a curveball that both of them can get a lot of whiffs, but he doesn't get enough strikes with them. He's not he's not able at the moment to say, I need to get a called strike with this. I will get this over the zone right. and have effectiveness and be effective with it. Because he did have a 40% zone rate. But it was fouled off. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the overwhelming changeup that it needed to be. He can't rely on it. Right. There were times when he would have nine strikeouts in one game, and the next one would be like two, and he'd be bounced by the Orioles before the fifth inning. Right. right. And that that's something that I will be w- looking for from it. But if you want to talk about the entire season, Jordan Montgomery's changeup was really surprising. And then there's Sean Manaya's thirty percent CSW, seventy percent strike rate, and fifty one percent zone rate. Yes, the sinker was the pitch that earned all those whiffs and really surprised us. Surprised us, and the velocity went up. 
But the changeup and curveball were both really effective. The changeup was overall more effective. I think there's even another step he can take if he's able to bury that changeup a little bit more uh, against righties. But it was still a very effective pitch and really surprised me how well it did. If you told me before the year that the first day of first pitch Arizona would have started with uh, Jesus Luzardo slander and ended with a positive talk about Sean Manaya, I would have been very, very Yeah, very, surprised. very shocked, yeah. Uh, all right, and then I'm surprised that you managed to wait this long to talk <laughs> about this guy's changeup. I'm surprised you didn't just put him as all of them. Who, who's who got your 2022 pick for This changeup? had a 139 batting average allowed. Uh, a 29% swing strike rate across 428 thrown. And all of you are very smart. You know who this is. Patrick Sandoval. Patrick Sandoval, the Irish Panda. <laughs> I, I'm so happy you all shouted it out at the same time. That was so great. They, they, had, to, they had to mute the mics. It was so loud <laughs> in here. Uh, would, have, would have blown out your eardrums. Don't we, worry. We changed it in post, guys. Uh, yeah, there yeah. he is. <laughs> I think just say it five more times. I'll put it but, in the edit. But yeah, great. so Patrick Sandoval, your pick for 2022 changeup. I really just watch out for it, um, especially that and the slider too. If they're both able to get consistent whiffs like this, the fastball doesn't need to be an overwhelming offering. It just needs to be something that survives. I just want it to be remembered that a year from now, if we're talking about Patrick Sandoval as the Nick Pavetta, that it was the changeup. It was the changeup. Change talk. I just um, I can't resist. All right, so perfect segue. What were some of your worst calls? Oh this yeah, year? this is something that I needed to really do because I don't think I do well, this yeah, enough. Hold yourself accountable. Yeah. So this was. I, I want to preface this I, by as, saying, as someone with no rankings at all, hold yourself accountable. <laughs> Uh, well, I want to preface this with really two things. One, if you read my rankings in February, you'll remember one of the very first sentences I write, which is giant in bold, and it says, this is impossible. Because this is was coming off of 2020, uh, where we didn't know how we were properly supposed to judge it. Uh, certain guys changed and were different, but is that sustainable or not? It's such a small sample size. So my philosophy when ranking was, you know what? We don't know what volume is going to be this year. We don't know how many guys are going to be let go for 180 plus innings because they didn't throw many right. innings last year and it was really tough. So I I leaned on volume guys too much. And this is what I was saying before about this year I'm going to be more on the fun guys. Mm -hmm. I, I felt an obligation that I was kind of supposed to focus on you know, hey, it's not going to be the sexiest strikeout rate, but you know what? These should be good ratios over a lot of volume. Mm -hmm. So I was 19 on Ryu, Hendricks, Kyle Hendricks at 21, Zach Greinke at 28, Chris Paddock at 27, Patrick Corbin at 26. And not happy about that tier. Terrible tier. I hope you ignored it <laughs> completely. Um, on the other side We're of it, so sorry there was didn't. also Corbin Burns at 23 that I also mentioned. Now I was really wrestling with the fun of it, and I'm happy at least I put them him above most of those guys. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't, you know, I, I I knew how good he was in 2020, and I kind of wish I really leaned on the possibility of that for 150 plus innings. Right, you were concerned he would pitch 100 innings. Uh, and well, that's valid. It, it wasn't even that. It was also we only saw it for a certain amount of time, and I've had so many voices shout at me about sustainability, right. and you know you can't bank on that. You know, it's just a small sample, but. Yeah, there he was at 23, and you know that meant that I did not have him anywhere. No, I mean, and, and that's totally understandable because before the season, I mean, we could be sitting here saying the same thing, but about Zach Plesak. Right. Uh, in terms of small sample size. I mean, obviously the skill sets are different. Obviously mm -hmm. you can dig into them in very different ways, but in terms of believing in a small sample size, all of a sudden being you know sustainable over a full season. Right. You know, we could be sitting here saying Zach Plesak was your worst call because sure. you were too low on So, him, so, so. the other one I should mention here, by the way, of course, Kenta Maeda. Already mentioned inside the busts. Not fun with that one. Now, 
Yeah. Best calls. Why not, right? Yeah, come on. Much fewer. Victory lap. M- so few. So few. I mean, the two. I, I, what I did is I took my last ranking of the year and compared it to the ADP of Fantasy Pros. Right. So I put out a ranking three days before the season started that Monday. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's where I'm getting all these ranks from. And I saw that I was higher in some respect than the other people on in the worst calls. Best calls. What do you know? It's Wheeler and Alcantara. Yay. Woo. Yeah. So, so look at me. Wow. Amazing. Uh, there was Rodon at 75, uh, which, which I mean, I saw it was like 148 or something on Fantasy Pros. Really? He was that low? He was completely ignored. Uh, there was John wow. Means at 45 for me. Yeah, that was I a think, great call. I think it did work finally after call. shouting for ages. Joe Musgrove was surprisingly actually like even with everybody. So, I, all right, we're all there, I guess. And then Charlie Morton at 25. I was higher on that. Yeah, you were definitely – Morton was one of the people, again. I, and, I think at first, Wheeler, it looked terrible. I think Wheeler and Morton were two that I, I distinctly remember there being a, a great hullabaloo about their yeah. ranking. Hullabaloo is a wonderful yeah, word. Yeah, because that's what it was. And But you ranked them that high. You stuck by it. And while it didn't work out for you for Hunjin Ryu or Patrick Corbin or Chris Paddock or Zach Granke or Kyle Hendricks – it worked out for Charlie Morton and uh, yeah, Zach and there you go, job. Wheeler and Alcantara and Alcantara. There absolutely. So, so, so there you go. That, I mean, what I've really taken away from this more is uh, I see that I see that tier that's really with Kopech and Boz and and Josiah Gray. I am going to be, I think, taking some chances with those guys a bit more this year um, because I, you know what. I don't want boring old pitchers anymore. <laughs> no more Tobies. No more. No more Flendersons. None. No more Spider Man. Get out of here! What's wrong with Spider Man? It's a great movie. They're, it's Holly now. That's why. That's get, true. It's yeah. Holly. Come on. Uh, but so you're looking more for the fun guys. Yes. You want guys that you maybe were only going to get a hundred innings out of. Right. You want guys. Well, that, no. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. Let's say that's what I'm clarifying. No, no, yeah. I don't. I, I don't want 100. And so it's a lot of the fun guys. But the good news is that because we're not coming in necessarily off of 2020, a lot of them have had some decent chunk now. So we're right. going to save 140, 150. Yeah. Sorry. Let me let me phrase that. And I didn't necessarily mean that uh, that was the best case scenario. I sure. meant I meant like these are guys that there's a very real possibility. You know, you're dropping in May. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, only, t- you're taking some chances on. Yeah, yes. you're taking a lot of chances here. But you would rather do that than mm-hmm. draft the safe, quote unquote, safe draft guys. a guy like yeah, so, someone like that that doesn't have the, the ceiling to pull them out when things aren't going their way. I really wish that I had thought to pull up the mock draft so I could actually make some reference points. <laughs> uh, but you you want to draft those those guys that you'd ranked uh, in like the 50s, right? The. Oh, thank you for having the, the Absolutely. mock draft pulled up. Um, it's still too far. What uh, Jose Brios, is he a, to- a Toby for you still? He's not a Toby as I look to Eno's chair. Yeah, poor. Yeah, uh, yeah so who, who are some guys <laughs> Who are some guys that you're passing over in favor of some of these fun guys? Okay, so I would probably say, I mean, as I mentioned, Ranger, uh, Ranger Suarez a bit. I'm seeing in this one Adam Wainwright and Chris Bassett in the 12th round, and I, I'm so conflicted about Chris Bassett. Um, Wainwright, you're giving a quick, you know, eyebrows against, and that just seems odd. And I kind of this is like the twelfth mention of Adam Wainwright on this. Podcast. Oh, I know. We should just call it the Waino. Yeah, this is this is pretty bad. It's it's not very good. The waning uh, hour. hour, absolutely. Um, you could say something like Marcus Stroman would be in that group as well. Yeah, like a Sunny Gray, maybe. May, yeah, Sunny Gray is at the bottom of the fun tier because I can understand there could be really some fun things about Sunny Gray. He's got some beautiful breaking balls. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. I'm not. A, I'm not uh, a sunny great fun, guy. Fun guy over here. Now, I th- those are the kind of guys I would be passing over more. Maybe Framber Valdez. Uh, you can put in that boat as well. Um, I would be f- in more in favor of taking those chances on. I uh, maybe even Luis Severino starting game. Logan Gilbert. 
uh, Ian Anderson, Kopech, uh, stuff like that is where I'm going to be leaning. And, and taking those risks because what did we learn? Fancy but. <laughs> fancy baseball is fun and fancy football is not. And also the the more relevant one is that the waiver Toby's wire a, the waiver wire pickups. Yeah, there's Toby's so many guys you can exactly. find on the waiver wire. If it doesn't work out, there's so many more chances you can take. Guys you can pick up. Robbie Ray was available on waiver wires this year. There will be someone like that. You gotta believe year. it. You gotta you gotta keep that faith. Understand this is something I was saying before this season. Right. About how the waiver wire is always plentiful. Yep. I, I did a presentation at first pitch. Florida in 2020 talking about streaming pitchers and I showcased a massive list of all the guys you could have had in that one and it doesn't change when you have a full season like this this is the opportunity that you have right so plan for it embrace it and chase that high peak because trust me you will have other places to what are you laughing about I appreciate you adding the word peak in that sentence yes you want to get you want to reach the top of the mountain you want to chase that high peak yes. absolutely yep, yeah 100%. it's not a low peak nope you want to chase you that want high a high one yep got it right. just want to make sure we're all we're all clear on that yes. on, on your on your philosophy there why why is uh, this the thing so <laughs> so uh in 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 full retrospect basically i mean this year again we knew it was a weird year we knew with everything happening last year with, mm-hmm. with all the you know COVID concerns, all that stuff, you chased volume a little bit too much. And is this something that... Well, I do want to say one thing about that. Chasing volume did get me Wheeler and Alcantara in a ton of leagues. Okay. So there is something to be said about it. It's that the fact that I went after those two guys is that I believe they had upside of 25% plus strikeout rates. Right. Now the other ones, Grinky and Hendricks and I mean maybe Ryu, but... Uh, those did not, and right. that's the kind of that's the difference for me. Take moving forward is they need to carry that. I mean, it, it, the the idea that you need, you know those guys are if you have a high strikeout rate, it's going to come with a terrible set of ratios too. I don't think that is a is a reality that we need to accept if we're taking those chances. All right. Well, I mean, that's a, a lot of really great lessons to take away. So um, many, uh, honestly. I mean, and and. <laughs> I mean, those are the big ones, though, right? And when you're looking at pitching, the pitching landscape for 2022, the, when you're talking about ranking pitchers uh, for next year. Absolutely. Uh, when you're talking about the list that everyone's going to be looking at come draft season and, and, and your draft uh, cheat, seat, cheat sheets and all that stuff. I mean, that's that's your guiding philosophy now. And I will say, last thing about that, uh, April and May is when you really want to jump in on this because, man, September streaming was so bad. And you better you better get your crew before then, because it was it was rougher than I've ever seen this year. Um, I don't know why necessarily. Maybe it was the injuries. Maybe it was just more teams saying cool reliever stuff. That's fine. And maybe it was more young guys coming, and then they they just wanted to go the four and a half innings or whatever it was. That's not a thing. Four and two thirds <laughs> innings. Uh, but it was so rough in September. And you wanna you know when it comes to streaming. The point is to get the guys early and then not have to do it anymore. Right. So really, really lean on that and and try your best to, to get out of that situation. Man, that September. sounds so easy. So easy. I'm going to win all my fantasy baseball leagues next year. All you need to do, just follow Pitcher List, Miles. I oh, got great. you covered. Perfect. Fantastic. <laughs> And uh, yeah, but I think that might do it for today, Miles. I gotta congratulate you. This you did a wonderful job here. You know, I I did my best Alex Fast impersonation minus the maniacal laughing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and and of course we want to thank everybody that uh, tuned in Absolutely. for the entire episode. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. So much for for being here. But yeah, I think that's gonna do it. What what am I? You're sp- supposed to take us out like Fast does. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
All right, that's going to do for today's episode of the, of, uh, oh my God, the On the Corner podcast. On the behalf of Miles Nelson, my name is Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.